And now, the Husker Athletic Director Show with Bill Moose, presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Woodhouse Auto Family. Shop Woodhouse first. 18 brands, 18 locations, one team to help you get on the road faster. Woodhouse Auto Family, the official auto dealer of Nebraska athletics. And now, here's your host, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our monthly sit-down with Nebraska's Athletic Director, Bill Moose. If you want to be a part of the program, our phone number is 531-500-4686. That also doubles up as our text number, so if it's easier for you to do that, we certainly can pass along those comments to the Husker Athletic Director. Our hotline brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Well, here we are, middle of December, getting ready for the holiday season that's coming up, and we're about ready to wrap up the regular season of the football uh, campaign with a game to uh, at Rutgers on Friday. How are you, sir? You doing okay? You survived your first snowstorm here in Lincoln for the winter? <laughs> yeah, we've actually been very lucky when we talk about the weather. And uh, uh, now it's, it seems a little bit more like Nebraska in December. <laughs> but uh, doing great, Greg. Thank you. Well, l- let's start with football. I know Saturday was disappointing after a nice road win at Purdue. You're coming down the stretch of this season. What, what do you make of what you've seen from the Huskers on the field? Well, we uh, we've we've got some things to straighten out, and and I know we have the ability to do that. Uh, number one, this is a this is a tough conference, um, as as we're seeing a real good chance of Indiana being in a in a New Year's Six bowl, uh, and of course uh, Ohio State and and Northwestern. Uh, will will be in a nice bowl as well and there's opportunities for the rest of us too but uh uh the the frustrating thing that uh, you know that i've seen and i've talked with scott about is just our inconsistency uh, i think our defense is playing the best uh, i've seen him play since i've been here but uh, our offense has not caught fire and some of that i think is because of youth and some key spots and injury here and there but uh couple too many mistakes, and, and those are things that can be corrected. Bill, I know you meet weekly with Scott. You mentioned that last month when you were with us. Do, do you sit down then with, with Scott or any of your head coaches once their season concludes and kind of do a, a look back and an analysis of what the past year's been like? I, I will do that with, uh, with football and men's basketball. Um, members of my staff that uh, have been charged with being the sport administrator take care of the other ones. Um, but uh, uh, in, I don't interfere during the year. <clears throat> and that's been my practice throughout my career. Um, we sit down at the end of the year and, uh, and talk our way through some things sometimes that that means some some staff changes, some budget changes, maybe recruiting philosophies, um, these kind of things that uh, uh, are are really to set set the uh, sights on the upcoming season and and the future. You know, I, I I hear from some of the folks, and we've heard from them, you know, for the last couple of weeks that they hear Scott and the coaches talk about practices are going well. It sounds like the culture within the locker room is really good, and yet the wins aren't coming as fast as any of us would like right now. But 
from what you've seen, are there are there things that you like that what you see as far as culture and work ethic that you're seeing out of the guys in the program? Well, again, I don't go to practice, uh, but I have people that do, and I uh, so my uh, report card is on game day, and um, I I think uh, Greg, we have playmakers, uh, and sometimes we look brilliant, but uh, you know, kids. Uh, got to step up and make plays, especially in this league. And we we need to average more points per game with a high-powered offense that I know Scott has coached in the past and I'm very confident that he will again. So no one's more frustrated than him and his coaches and and our players. But uh, uh, this is the time as the season draws to a close to start addressing some of those things. Yeah. Well, since we had you on last month, you do have an update about the football facilities. I know that there was a uh, proposal that was put in front of the Board of Regents a couple of weeks ago that did pass. Can you can you fill us in on what what has taken place and what is taking place with your new football facility? Well, we're all grateful uh, to the Regents for approving the revised plan and the revised plan simply um Greg is to get the project started, which we're confident we can do uh, by this this summer, maybe as early as late spring. <clears throat> but uh, in order to do that, because we haven't raised the required amount of money yet, uh, we we decided to shell the two areas that are going to be used by all of our student athletes. Very good chance that they can all be finished uh, by that summer of of uh, 2023, which is what we're shooting for. But this uh, enabled us to get the uh, go-ahead to uh, get things started, wrap up um, our design phase, and start getting out to bid. So from the outside, you won't <clears throat> know any difference. Um, and I've done this before at other places. Uh, we just would come in at a later period in the event we don't have all the money raised. And I'm very pleased with, with uh, uh, how that's all going as well. But uh, uh, the m important thing is it'll be uh, ready for football and we can get a crane on on site and get bulldozers going. And that that lifts morale, uh, you know, with, throughout the whole uh, department and, and throughout the campus and and also resonates very well with the recruits. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will. And, and I know your goal all along and eventually is to, that it impacts all of your student athletes. And that certainly can be taken care of, just maybe not right at the very start, but you certainly can add to it and, and get that done. And there's been a lot of people that have worked on this. I mean, you, you and this was a very aggressive approach that you announced over a year ago. And um, it certainly didn't see a pandemic on the horizon when you when you did this uh, about 13 months ago. But uh, Husker fans are there, and I know you're really you're really appreciative of the support that people have shown you throughout the this campaign that you've been working on for over a year now. Uh, very pleased, and and um, I I would say it's amazing, but I've learned that everything's amazing at Nebraska. Um, <laughs> that n none of them decommitted, and um, we. We have uh, <clears throat> got some big gifts out there. We really haven't gone public, you know, with the smaller mm -hmm. gifts. Um, most all of the ones that we have secured are uh, 100,000, uh, 250,000, on up into the half a million and into the millions. So um, it's been a real good beginning. And, you know, the times are tough for a lot of businesses and uh, a lot of people. Um, 
in this great state, but they, uh, they've stayed with us and they've helped us with our current operating budget as well. It's just, it, it's very gratifying. Buckle up and put the phone down. That's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. This fan base has amazed you, I know, since the day you took the job, and we miss them dearly at our events with the the basketball teams now playing and obviously the football games that we had at an empty Memorial Stadium. But as you mentioned, their generosity is certainly something you want to tip your cap to. And, you know, they're, they're still supporting you in certain ways to try to keep this thing going until we can all kind of get back to a sense of normally lay out some of what what the fans have done and trying to help back the department here in the last five, six months. Well, I, I think we talked about uh, our our season ticket push, and then of course the season was canceled, and then it was rescheduled and canceled, and third time's a charm. But uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we we uh, gave our our fans an opportunity to uh, uh, we would refund the gifts and uh, season ticket monies. Um, we gave them that option uh, about. 20% of them chose that, so very understandable. Uh, and then we offered uh, a, a, an opportunity to um, go ahead and, and just uh, leave the money in the account and apply it to next year. And then we also gave them an option of uh, just making it a, a straight gift without tickets uh, for this year that would really help us out. And Greg, we had over $7 million do- wow. donated. And, uh, uh, you know, that just warms uh, my heart to know that that uh, uh, our fans, uh, they're, they're frustrated with the season. We all are, but they believe in us. And, and um, we've had uh, some, some challenges in, with our operating budget. And um, we, uh, we 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 we're going to see we think around 60 61 million dollars in revenue um and that that's uh, about a 70 million dollar shortfall um from what our original budget was and what we've been used to looking at uh, in years past so um the expenses have been trimmed uh by more than 30 million and um, but uh, that st- still leaves us about 40 million off. And fortunately, uh, again, because of our great fans and and the spirit and passion that they have, uh, we're able to, to access um, monies that we had in a reserve uh, to take care of that. And that is not the case across the country and not, not even in the Big Ten. You see where. Uh, Iowa and Minnesota dropped uh, sports. Uh, there are schools taking out uh, loans and lines of credit. Uh, we also have no debt. So uh, when we were able to go into the reserve. We don't, we don't have any debt. We don't have any debt uh, on, on any projects. Um, and that's, that's, uh, that's saying a lot for, for this day and age when it's so competitive with facilities and coaches' salaries and, and the recruiting and all. So um, I applaud not just our fans but also my staff for uh, uh, figuring things out and, and making it work. And uh, we, we had to, as, as we talked about before, put 51 people on furloughs. We eliminated 17 FTE positions, and we uh, cut budgets and also across the board uh, salary reduction of 10%. And that, that helped us in trimming, trimming some of that down. And um, 
I, I said all along, hey, we're all going to have skin in this game. Let's lock arms and uh, get through to the first of the year and hopefully be back in business. And that, that's what we're looking at right now. Yeah, and you were able to deliver some some good news last week, right, to some of those furloughed employees. It looks like they're going to be able to get them back on board here. We had uh, uh, about half of them back already working. Uh, once right. we realized we are going to have a football season, we needed uh, uh, event people and, and also a training table. The balance of those furloughed employees will be back uh, with their original salaries, and the uh, salary reductions will be taken away too. So, um, a lot of of business uh, in 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 this industry is based around morale, and I'm a big believer in that. We all, um, like I said, locked arms and took on the challenge, and and you know we may need to come back and do it again. We we're hopeful that uh, with the vaccines and the the uh, progress that's being made in in fighting the coronavirus, that we can have all this behind us. Um, certainly, hopefully, uh, when we get closer to our spring sports, but uh, also for fall football, because our fans deserve to be in Memorial Stadium. And and uh, um, my heart went out for them this year. I fought, as you know, to try and make that mm-hmm. happen, but. Um, it didn't work, but uh, it's not the same without you. If, if you're listening, we miss you. Miss them dearly, and it's going to be great the day we can all celebrate together inside of Memorial Stadium and all our wonderful Husker sports venues. Let's go to the phones. Drew in Plattsmouth, you're up first with Athletic Director Bill Moose. Thanks, Moose. Uh, it's just been kind of a crazy and challenging year for our coaches and student-athletes with COVID and all the restrictions and the schedules and such. I was just curious from an athletic uh, director standpoint in terms of your evaluation of these programs, um, how much of the, you know, the difficulty they've had with COVID and everything they've had to dealt with with that, are you going to be in terms of looking at the success in terms of win-loss record this year in your evaluation of the programs? Are you viewing this kind of as like a throwaway year? Um, just with everything, or are you, or is this your? I mean, how are you going to factor in COVID with that? So, I'll just hang up and uh, listen. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the the call, Drew. Um, well, I I like to see progress, but there have been challenges because of the circumstances, um, games being canceled, uh, players uh, testing positive, and not being able to compete. Um, the schedule itself was very demanding right off the bat. I think we've talked on the program before that we designed our original schedule to get momentum going, and, and uh, we, we didn't have that luxury uh, this year. We were going to have four straight um, at home to start the season, including Purdue to start the season, so a conference game. So that could have really helped us. So uh, you look at basketball on the men's side, I think we're much improved, uh, certainly on the women's. Um, really excited to see what volleyball looks like. I think we got the makings of a uh, potentially a, a conference and national championship sitting there. So um, all these things had to be taken in, into account, um, not to mention we haven't been able to go out and recruit. Uh, we haven't. We we are going to sign 20, maybe 21 football players uh, 
tomorrow, and the vast majority of them have never been on campus. Um, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a pretty good class. So uh, you, I have to take all these things into account uh, when we review the seasons. And uh, uh, the good news is, and, and it, it'll be, again, um, a test on, on the financial side, but these, these uh, student-athletes, they did get a throwaway year. I don't want to say throwaway, but a freebie because they can all come back uh, and not count this, this year. So um, I think that's good for them and very fair. Not all of them will do it. Um, maybe not all of them will be uh, invited back, but uh, the most important thing, and I'm, I'm making this answer long, but I want to get all this in. Uh, we promised them a good experience and we promised them and their parents a quality education and a degree that's that's very valuable and we will always live up to that commitment drew appreciate the phone call for an unbeatable game day tradition reach for the one-of-a-kind taste of dorothy lynch homestyle dressing dorothy lynch pour it on to our text line bill larry and crookston wants to know how are this week's opponents and sites determined well um there were several factors, <clears throat> uh, and two of them weighed uh, uh, about equally. And one was a uh, fewer number of home games. Uh, but the, the one that uh, referring to us is the record. Um, now, we went into last week with a whole slew of Big Ten teams with uh, two losses, and the, that got – that got uh, addressed just on the field. So um, we're, we're heading to New Jersey and uh, we'll, we'll be ready to go uh, and excited to get an, another chance to play. So odd because in the original schedule, the original original schedule, Huskers were slated to go to Piscataway to play Rutgers. So we'll check that off as a game that took place as is. Uh, Ed in Marietta, Georgia. Bill, what's the status of the Dublin game against Illinois? Well, right now, Ed, <clears throat> we're planning to play it, uh, but we're following things very closely. Uh, typically, in, in talking to the promoter, <clears throat> John Anthony, a lot of tickets would have been sold this fall. I just think people are cautious. Um, again, with the vaccines uh, being available and more and more uh, as as we go on through the winter, uh, it might catch up. But we're we're taking we're right now. We're going to go play. Uh, excited about that, but there's factors that are going to have to be dealt with uh, as to whether we we confirm that after the first of the year. Okay, very good. Uh, another text, Ron. Bill, when when do you think we'll see a Husker baseball schedule released? Uh, this is coming from Ron. Yes, Ron, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> uh, uh, again, frustrating. Uh, we just got our basketball uh, schedules <laughs> 10 days before we started playing. Yep. Um, we will have a, a reduced number of games, uh, and that's pretty much across the board with all of our sports this year. And uh, by and large, uh, conference only. Um, so uh, you can be looking for that. But uh, uh, I've got a – I'm going to be on an athletic director's call 
uh, with the conference tomorrow and my colleagues, and uh, we'll try to get some idea of, of when uh, Will Bolt and, and his ball club's going to be ready to compete. I'm really excited about Husker baseball. How about wrestling, Bill? Is wrestling going to get a year in, or is, it, is that still really much up in the air? No, wrestling, we're planning wrestling uh, to compete um, again after, after the first of the year. Um, <clears throat> gymnastics, all of our sports, uh, with primarily, as I mentioned, uh, conference-only schedules. Wrestling, you know, is a, is a Petri dish for these kind of things. Yeah. And uh, we have them very well protected. Uh, pretty, we're, we uh, have everybody over in the Devaney Sports Center and Hendricks uh, Training Center uh, very well monitored. They're eating their training table uh, food over there. Uh, their, their strength and conditioning is all over there. So we're not crossing during the football season. Uh, we wanted to keep our football players uh, pretty much bubbled up, and it has worked very well for us. Again, it callers into our show. Dot us up on our Sports Nightly Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Another text in from Adam up in Omaha. Bill, do you think there will be a spring game for the Husker football? I do, and uh, I hope it's a great celebration. We've got several months before before we get to to uh, that point but uh, I just want to make sure we get all 15 practices and have a chance to have fans come back into Memorial Stadium our players miss that you know uh, we a lot of these 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 guys came here because of that sea of red and that that uh, uh, sellout record and the tunnel walk and and all of that and and I'm glad that they're going to get another year and hopefully that we're we're able to showcase that uh, in our spring game uh, which which will be in May. Bill, would would will the league mandate those or will that be more of a local health department issue whether you can allow fans in for a spring game? Does the league have juris? I guess does the league have jurisdiction over that event as well? Uh, now I, I would argue on that one because, uh, we're not putting anybody at risk. Right. Um, and, and because, uh, the, our, our strict, um, COVID, uh, testing was, uh, to protect the footprint of the big 10, as you know, 14 universities in 11 different States and every one of them is just different. Um, and, uh, so, uh, I would think in a spring game we could have who we want, but we would have to uh, make sure that that uh, we follow the guidelines of our local Lancaster County uh, health officials. Makes sense to me, but some things that make sense to me don't end up working out that way, Bill. If you know what I mean. So <laughs> I, I do, I do, and, I, and you're free to discuss that. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! We've got a lot more coming up with Bill. Let's go back to the phones. Up to Omaha we go. Chuck, welcome to the program. You're on with Bill Moose. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, Bill, how are you? I'm good, Chuck. Thank you. All right, sir. Hey, so I'm just wondering if you could talk about the uh, the financial impact for uh, for athletics um, across the board, given the uh, the situation that we're in. Um, how's that going to affect 
uh, not just the main sports, but some of the others. And I'll just hang up and listen. Thanks again, guys. Yeah, well, thank you, Chuck, for your call. Uh, uh, we we will continue uh, to offer the programs that we do. We're not going to have to make uh, uh, any cuts there. Uh, we we need to get we need to start selling tickets again. And um, the television money, uh, though it's not uh, what it has been, uh, wasn't bad. We uh, we saw fifty four million uh, per school last year, and we're going to be at around forty or forty two. So that really has helped us <clears throat> in that regard. But those empty seats. Uh, and, and of course, primarily in in football, and men's basketball. Hopefully, we'll get them back for volleyball, um, to some degree, women's uh, basketball too. <clears throat> really, <clears throat> excuse me, is hurting us, and um, that that's why we're hopeful and, and holding our breath that we can get back to normal sooner than later. We're coming up on the on the holiday season, and. Uh, I know you're going to be getting some family time, and, and I know you want to just wish all those great Husker fans uh, some happy holidays and some times coming up here in the coming weeks. I, I do. This is uh, hopefully a once-in-a-lifetime uh, year. Um, certainly don't want to have another one in my life, and I, and I can just envision my grandkids coming to me and, and saying, Grandpa, tell me about that 2020 year. Was it? Tell me. And uh, so, uh, and and I, I I like the term 2020 hindsight. Let's get it behind us. But I, I want to wish everyone, all of our fans and all of our listeners, happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. Um, and and let's let's get this year behind us, as I mentioned, and look for brighter days and c- celebrations in our venues. And and uh, please take good care of yourself. Um, this 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 thing is still out there, and though we are attacking it, I want all of our people to be safe and celebrate smart and enjoy your family. And personally, I can't wait to see all of you back in 2021, if not sooner. Amen to that. And yeah, I'm not going to be sad when New Year's Eve gets here and we can put a put a bow on 2020. Bill, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure having you on. It's just a, a great listen to hear you talk about Husker Athletics for the, uh, an hour. Uh, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And we'll do this again in January. Thank you, Greg. And the same to you. And go Big Red. Time to deliver tonight's practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Football's back and soon the cold weather will be too if your windows aren't ready for winter. Call JTech Construction. It's the official exterior experts of the Huskers for a free Estimate. Both coordinators met with the media today. We'll start with Eric Chenander, the defensive coordinator. And one thing that has gotten so much better the last couple of weeks is Nebraska's ability to get off the field, stop teams' drives. Their third down conversion rate defensively has gotten so much better. Eric Chenander was asked today where and how that got better. You know, I think there's a couple different factors. Number one, um, probably getting in less third and shorts, which which really helps you. Um, but the guys have done a great job on the, the third and shorts that we've had of operating. Um, and I think the guys have, have a really good understanding. Um, 
right now. I know Sam talked about, you know, scheme, but they're they're feeling really comfortable in the system right now. Um, we've kind of finally got the guys where they need to be, um, you know, probably. And once again, that's probably uh, I needed to get them in some different places earlier, but they're they're where they need to be right now. And guys are understanding what they need to do, um, showing some different looks and how the looks work together um, in the third down packages, whether you're going to show show pressure and drop eight or whether you're going to show uh, coverage and bring some pressure. Um, and they're also doing really well um, in the man coverage. Um, another huge, huge piece in that third down puzzle is the, the, the pass rush is not always you know, sometimes you look at pass rush and you only look at generating sacks. But um, when I look at it, obviously I want to get sacks every time too. But um, when the pass rush is working together and that pocket's getting collapsed and that quarterback doesn't have an opportunity to run, that was hurting us a little bit earlier in the in the first part of the year where we'd have some good coverage downfield and the quarterback was running for about 50 yards a game um, in the first four weeks. And we've limited that down quite a bit. Uh, so that's a contributing factor too. Um, but you know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into that thing, and I just think that they've been addressed, and the kids accepted the challenge that was put in front of them, and they've uh, they've rose up to that. What are you seeing from this defense, particularly on third downs? Well, the frustrating part is when Nebraska gets its teams in third and long. Seems far too often teams complete it. You know, third and ten, third eleven, third and twelve doesn't feel like third and a mile. Some of that. You know, might be a pass rush. It doesn't get home necessarily. Some of it might be just one broken coverage, one broken tackle. It's just not consistent. Like you can live with giving up, you know, five, six, seven yards in those long down and distance situations. But it seems far too often Nebraska's gotten beat in a third and longs. It usually beats itself, you know, by making a mental mistake, not being in quite the right spot, not making the right tackle, the right kind of tackle. It's hard to explain. It's been that way for a few years now, I think, Greg, you know, at least as long as I've been watching Nebraska football. It just seems like where a lot of teams are expected to get a stop, it's still a 50-50 proposition with Nebraska. And like Coach Shenander said, it's a lot of stuff. You know, there's 11 guys on the field. You can't pin it on one guy or one issue. It's trusting each other to make the play and then being good enough as the player put in that situation to go make that play. Yeah, they also had two fourth down stops last week, stop drives that kept points off the board for Minnesota. And and I I liked and some I think we had a caller bring it up the other night. I like the fact we blocked some pa- we knocked some passes down mm-hmm. Saturday. That was really impressive to see that. One thing I didn't like to see was the Cam Taylor Britt ejection. Third time this year the Oscars been ejected. Twice it's been Cam Taylor Britt. The defensive coordinator today was asked about how do you avoid getting those targeting calls. Yeah, you know. Uh... You know, we sit around and, and, and talk about that, and I talk to some other people, um, you know, around around college football. Uh, it's a tough situation. I mean, you know, the kid declares himself as a runner. You know, that, that, that play, and once again, I'm not arguing calls. I'm not complaining. Those officials have a hard job. Um, but that same play happens five, six other times in that same game, um, but the guy wasn't wearing a quarterback jersey. Um, so when the when the quarterback gets out and runs, we've just got to be ultra ultra conscious of of taking our head out. I thought Cam led with his shoulder, and then we had some head to head afterwards. But you know the replay I got in the booth, I was like, man, they're going to call this thing because that that was the replay they got uh, in real time. You know, I, I think the officials did a good job in real time. They did not throw a flag, and then and then it got um, buzzed down, and they decided it was one upstairs. But you know, it, the, the unfortunate nature of this thing is. It's really it's really hard to to be physical out there right now um, when you're when you're worried about those hits and what's going to happen is 
you're going to have to go ultra low and then Unfortunately, there's going to be a lot more skill players with, um, you know, season-ending injuries. There's going to be a lot of ACLs. There's going to be a lot of those types of things because guys are going to be forced to go low all the time. And I think you're you're opening up more issues on safety, player safety, than you are than you have already. I think there definitely need to be some player safety things addressed, and I think that they've addressed them and they've they've done a good job with that. But I think now it's becoming. Um, so common to get a, a targeting foul that there's going to be other player safety issues that are going to come up because of it. Um, but the bottom line is we're going to have to we're going to have to do a better job of, of tackling in the strike zone and you know taking our head out of the football play. It's a big play in the game, Austin. It was, and you know, luckily for Nebraska, they only missed him for the second half of the Minnesota game. It's not like he you know missed the first half against Rutgers, and he didn't miss the whole second quarter. So at least it happened late if it was going to happen. But, Greg, you look at that defensive backfield for Nebraska, Deontay Williams, Markel Dismew, Cam Taylor-Britt now. All those guys love to hit people. They yeah. really do. They love to lay the wood, and that's good. You need some enforcers back there to make sure the receivers you know, are kind of looking over their shoulder. Now, am I going to get popped, You know, make them think a little bit? But that's also led to some issues, the targeting fouls. We can debate the validity of them. That's part of it. But they, these guys have to know that, you know, there's a target on them, as ironic as that sounds. They're being watched for it. And Mo Berry, former Husker linebacker, put out a tweet during the game in defensive Cam Taylor Bray. He said, you know, by the rule, yeah, that's targeting. The refs probably got the call right. But what can Cam do? Not a whole lot there. If the quarterback's going down, it wasn't malicious. And that's where I think the NFL actually has this right, where it's not an automatic ejection. You can add the penalty on late, but the young man can stay in the ball game. And that's, I think, the most crushing part for Nebraska, where they didn't have Cam Taylor Britt in the second half. And I think that's something they need to look at. Will they? I'm not hopeful. I hope they do in the offseason. I hope they come into two grades of it, a grade one and a grade two. Grade one, it's a penalty but not an ejection because it wasn't malicious. If it's malicious, it should be penalty and ejection. I think they need to go and get that figured out in the offseason. One guy that missed most of the game last week was Luke Reimer. Got hurt early in the game, and so Nick Henrich played an awful lot of football. By far the most he has played at Nebraska since becoming a Cornhusker. Eric Chenander was asked about how Henrich graded out. He actually he play, he played a really good football game, you know, and you know, hats off to Nick for, you know, playing outside backer and then back to inside backer and then basically becoming a starter in that game when 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 Luke got knocked out, um, you know. So it, it's a uh, I, I thought Nick did a, a tremendous job. He he was he was physical. Uh, he played hard. Um, he got us in 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 the right things most of the time. Um, and he, I, th I thought he had a good football game. I think the future's, you know, the future's pretty bright on that one, you know. But, you know, you, you talk about Luke being being out, you know, you, you need to take a look at that hit also when the guy lowers his head on Luke, you know. Definition of the rule is the definition of the rule. Great point. And I think Matt brought that up on the broadcast too because it looked like it was helmet to helmet that knocked Reimer out of the game, but they never call that on the offensive player. Speaking of offense, offensive coordinator Matt Lubick met with the media today as well. Uh, did confirm that Brendan Hymas's days are over. He has opted out for the last game, and that means Turner Corcoran, a two, true freshman, is going to make the start at left tackle. Uh, Matt Lubick was asked to assess Corcoran's skill set. Sure. Yeah, he, well, he's talented. He's big and strong and tough which need to be on the offensive line. He has good feet, 
and uh, you know he cares. It's important to him, and so that's that's the biggest thing as a freshman is, is how fast can you learn it and play with confidence. And he's done a great job with that. And you know we were trying to get him in more and more as the season was going, but now he's it's getting sped up a little bit, and, and we're excited about. It. I know he's excited about the opportunity. Austin, that's a very young offensive line that's going to be out there Friday night, isn't it? Yeah, three freshmen and Cam Jurgens at center is a sophomore. That's a lot of youth. But, you know, I think that's okay. It's the ninth game of season. Well, it should be ninth, eighth for Nebraska. You know, get these young guys some game reps. Corcoran was probably the jewel of Nebraska's recruiting class last year, graded out as a 98% overall highest rated commit in the class with a laundry list of offers out of Kansas. So you think he's going to be pretty good? Now it's darn near impossible to replace someone like Brendan Hymas. 40 straight starts. He's been doing it for so long. Meant a lot to that team. But you feel good about Corkin. You feel good mm-hmm. about Piper, even Ben Hart. Cam Jurgens may be starting to get some things figured out on that line as well. So yeah, it is a youth movement up front for Nebraska. But as long as these guys aren't getting injured and they're holding their own, I think that only bodes well for the future. Yeah, with Ben Hart and Piper, they played enough now where you don't really feel like they're, I know they're redshirt freshmen, but you feel like they're kind of seasoned a little bit with the kind of defensive fronts they've had to face already here this year. We are ready and going to launch tomorrow another edition of our Husker Sports Properties Originals. It's called Featuring Fred. Takes a look at Husker basketball coach Fred Hoiberg, his weave through college basketball as a player, his transition into a coach to the NBA, and now back to college in year two for the Huskers. Here's part of that podcast. We begin with Iowa State radio analyst Eric Heft, who had a chance to see the start of Fred's career. Arnie Gardy was an assistant coach when I came to Iowa State, and he remained in Ames, and he told me when Fred, I suppose Fred would have been maybe eighth grade or so, he said, hey, we got a guy here at Ames who's going to be a really good player. And we've all heard that kind of thing before, but as I watched him come through Ames High, it was like, wow, uh, he's really good. And one of the big days in Johnny Orr's career was when Fred said he was going to stay home and play for the Cyclones. People always talk about his offense, but I think it was the second game of his career. We were down in Puerto Rico, and he set the school record with seven steals. I think he reverted back to his uh, non-defensive self after that uh, (laughs) because he never approached that again. Uh, But I tell you, he was a clutch player. I remember his senior year, we're playing a really good Kansas team, a top five team, and I think he scored our last 15 points uh, to win the game, a very tight game but just clutch, but he delivered. And he, he, was, he was terrific in that regard and fun to watch play. So before I had ever seen Fred Hoiberg take a shot, I knew about his nickname, the mayor. That's Teddy Greenstein, a former reporter from the Chicago Tribune, now with Points Bet Sportsbook. It was just one of those things that it seemed so perfect for him and it piqued all of our curiosity. I was a reporter at Sports Illustrated in the mid-90s out of college, and we were always looking for sort of interesting college basketball nuggets. And I remember hearing about this guy, the mayor, the mayor from Ames, and then the kind of guy who every single person in the town knew. So that nickname, I think, was uh, was one of the best there ever was in basketball. Our mayor at the time was a guy by the name of Larry Curtis. Uh, he was a professor at Iowa State, but also a mayor of Ames. and. Uh, it was basically him who came up with it. Somebody called him mayor, and after Fred had really played great early in his career, he said, hey, I'm not the mayor. Uh, Fred Hoiberg is the mayor. He's the one He's the one that everybody loves. And 
How true. <laughs> How true. Gentlemen, I've coached for 43 years, 29 years as a head basketball coach in Division I in the United States, and Freddie Hoiberg is the greatest athlete I've ever coached. Hoiberg triple pops, Scott puts it up! Found it! Fred Hoiberg! I get Hoiberg open for another three, there it is. Hoiberg has the double point and it's good! Hoiberg drains it! Hoiberg for three. That's why you're all Big Eight, that's why you're all American. You rise when you need to. I think Fred Hoiberg needs to touch it. Somehow he needs the ball in his hand. He's got it. On the double screen and a shot at home. The fans love him. He had a great career in Ames High School. He, he's a class individual. Now they call him the mayor, the mayor of Ames. The guy known as the mayor, Fred Hoiberg, does everything well, or seems to anyway, from the classroom to the court. There he goes, the mayor. Listen to the roar. Fred Hoiberg had a historic career at Iowa State. To this day, Hoiberg is still in the top 10 in nearly every statistical category in team history. His number 32 was even retired by the Cyclones shortly after his playing career was over. Naturally, Hoiberg was destined to make it in the next level and in 1995 was drafted 52nd overall by the Indiana Pacers in the NBA draft. Hoiberg played for Indiana for four years before signing with the Chicago Bulls as a free agent. Then, in 2003, Fred signed with the Minnesota Timberwolves, where he discovered that he would have to cut his professional career short. The way I found out about it, I went in for a life insurance exam. We talked to our financial advisor. We were setting up our kids' college education funds. And one thing that they talked to my wife and I about was trying to get some additional life insurance or to get some additional life insurance. We'd had twins, uh, which gave us four kids and it went in for the insurance policy and part of the trying to get the policy was doing a, a physical and they did an echo on me and they rejected me for that policy and this was in January. I feel very fortunate that I did find out because the doctors told me that I was one significant blow away in the chest area from my aorta rupturing and once that happens there's not a lot you can do when the largest blood vessel in your body gets cut open like that. We're back, Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network, and a real treat for us tonight to be joined by the Chancellor of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, Ronnie Green. It's always great to have you on Sports Island. I know this is a vi- very busy and big week for you because it is your December graduation coming up on Saturday, and I know this is this is one of those moments in the calendar year that you really look forward to. Well, it is a, it's a big week, and, you know, kind of winding up to the holidays here. You think things are slowing down, but it's a big week in a lot of fronts. Uh, we do have our graduation celebration coming up online on Saturday. Uh, we've got a unique kind of latest we've ever had Big Ten football game on Friday uh, at Rutgers. And then we've uh, you know got the holidays coming just around the corner, as I said. So uh, a big week. Um, you know, it's, it, it is a special time of year when we, we celebrate graduation. And while we're in this kind of odd time where we haven't been able to do it in person since spring and summer and now into our December graduation, it's nonetheless the culmination of the, the, um, 
uh, higher education career for our undergraduates, for our graduates who are receiving doctoral and master's and professional degrees. It's just a huge moment in the university community's life. Uh, and a wonderful tradition here at Nebraska. Um, we are doing all that we can to maintain that celebration for our graduates who are finishing during this time of the global pandemic and to be able to celebrate this huge life moment with them as they cap off their career. Uh, we are doing it online again now for our third time to have a celebration. We're not calling it commencement exercises because we're inviting all of our graduates from these past three um, time and periods to come back and to join us at a future commencement exercise in person to be able to experience that if they wish to do that. But we are celebrating online with a, with a, a half-hour celebration with families and our graduates around the world. It will be this Saturday for our December graduates on uh, the 19th at 9 a.m. And it's going to be a really special one. Uh, because we're going to have the opportunity to visit with our perhaps our most famous alumnus, uh, Warren Buffett, who graduated in 1951 from the university, a um, well-known name all around the world, of course, uh, perhaps the greatest investor who ever lived, um, and uh, one of the certain certainly the uh, major business leaders in the world. And I think, as you know, a big Husker fan, has uh -huh. been a big Husker fan, throughout his life. Um, and so we, we have this special opportunity with Warren where he and I connected over a phone and video conversation for about 15 minutes for him to have the opportunity to be able to share some of his thoughts with our newest University of Nebraska Lincoln graduates. And I want, I'm not, not give away his is gusto uh, before we have the celebration on Saturday, but it, just in a few topics that he covers, uh, he shares a little bit of his personal history. His parents were students at the university, as was he. Um, talks about why he has such an affinity for the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Uh, shares some really important advice for our graduates. Um, uh, from his perspective now as a 90-year-old best-known investor in the world, and leader of Berkshire Hathaway. So um, really exciting to have that opportunity to mark in time with our graduates, a uh, conversation with Warren Buffett, and to celebrate with them and their families all across the world uh, as they complete their studies at the University of Nebraska. If you want to see it, um, it will be live streamed on Saturday morning at 9 o'clock Central. Um, if you go to unl.edu to our website, it will be there front and center to be able to experience that with our graduates. Oh, I cannot wait to, to hear his words, and you're going to be hosting the whole ceremony. It's going to be a, a really special day, and so we encourage everybody to, to dial up on the Internet and check that out. I know you also had a chance to talk to another famous Husker, Heisman Trophy winner Eric Crouch. What did he have to say? Well, you know, we, back at, we kind of went into this, unusual football season as we started remember back uh it seems like a long time ago <laughs> but it was in late october uh when we were finally able to get our football season underway and and at that first uh game uh we had eric crouch um i had a communication with him again over the phone and zoom and video at the time that we're in um to talk a little bit about what it meant for him as a player in the 1990s, 
a very famous player, obviously a Heisman Trophy winner with Nebraska um, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And he he talked about how important the fan base was and how much that meant to you as a player, realizing that our, our teams weren't going to have that opportunity to play with fans in the stands, or like real fans in the stands. Uh, this time, uh, uh, as we went through the season, we just had a great conversation. I remember sharing a personal memory with him. Uh, we we actually lived in Colorado at this time in 2002, not too long after he had played. He was in Denver during the National Western Stock Show, that major event that's held in Denver every January, uh, part of the Denver culture. And we were living in the greater Denver area at the time, our, our two oldest children, our boys, uh, at the time were 12 and 10 years old, and, and we heard through the grapevine that Eric Crouch and Johnny Rogers were going to be at the National Western Stock Show to see people as a celebrity appearance, and so immediately it became something that our family had to do. We had to be there and give our boys the opportunity to meet uh, Eric and Johnny, and uh, it was a great experience for them in fact uh, they still have our our boys still have the football that eric signed for them uh that they treasure as something themselves um, so it was it was great to have the opportunity to visit with eric and to hear his perspective about the importance of the support of fans knowing that uh even in this strangest of years that they wouldn't be there in person they would be there in spirit supporting the team and uh, just a great conversation to catch up with such a great ambassador for the University of Nebraska, uh, Eric Crouch. Oh, that is a great story. Fantastic to hear that. Again, busy with Ronnie Green, the Chancellor of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln here on Sportsani. Well, after you get through the weekend with graduation, the twenty that the, the fall semester will be complete, completely completed. You'll end the football season on Friday with the Rutgers game. As you begin to look back, how do you think it all went, Chancellor, considering the the enormous challenges that we've had here in 2020. Well, I, I, I've said on several occasions here through the last number of weeks how proud I am of our institution for being able to navigate the challenges that we have had with this 2020 year. Uh, uh, we all know what a what a challenging year it has been, continues to be, um, moving through the global pandemic and um, and social unrest that has been out there as well throughout the year. And we we came to school in August, uh, coming back to as much of an in-person semester as we could have with all of our students on campus at UNL this fall. And, and w- with a lot of uncertainty in the air, what that was going to look like, how we were, would navigate our way through. There were a lot of people that, that honestly believed that we'd never make it through the semester before going fully remote like we did back in the spring when the pandemic first started. And I'm very proud of the fact that we not only made it through the fall, but we made it very successfully, completed all of our courses, finished just before Thanksgiving with the conclusion of finals for our students, were able to do it safely, and to be able to deliver as much of that instruction as possible with our people on campus, how important that is and was for us to be able to have our students and to continue in their educations. And what I'm, what I'm hearing, Greg, from a lot of people is that they not only continued their studies, but in some cases, have ex- many cases, have accelerated their studies and have been able to move up, uh, being able to finish earlier uh, in their, their careers. Uh, we currently are in the middle of 
a three-week intercession uh, that we started right after Thanksgiving. We'll conclude uh, next week, just before the uh, Christmas holiday. And then a second three-week intercession that we're going to have the first three weeks of January before our spring term starts again on uh, January the 25th. So those additional opportunities for coursework, even though these two three-week sessions are are remote online, um, is is helping our students be able to finish even sooner and make progress towards their degrees in ways that they haven't uh, been before. So I'm, I'm just proud of our faculty, of our staff, who have worked so hard to do this and be successful in doing it and do it safely, and our students for their resilience in this time. Um, I've, I've said to our students all through this year, no one, you know, you, did, you didn't sign up to be a student in a global pandemic in your college career. Um, it just happened. And for us to be able to navigate successfully, I'm just so proud of our institution. And then there's this athletic season, you know, that the interrupted seasons that we have had uh, back in the spring, uh, the cancellation of our spring sports seasons, um, and then all of the uncertainty around whether we'd be able to get a football season in and in what form that would be and all the twists and turns that all of our fan base remember so well through the summer and into the fall before we were finally able to get a season started and to uh, be looking forward this week toward uh, the uh, the end game of that uh, regular season for us and be able to have only missed one. Uh, unfortunate that we had the one that had to be canceled that we missed early in the season with Wisconsin. But to get most of those games in um, is a big success. Um, has required a lot of adaptation on the part of our student-athletes and on, certainly on the part of our fans. But, but successful that we were able to compete and be able to move forward. And now, of course, basketball uh, underway for our women and men. Uh, looking forward to into the spring with all the rest of the roster of our sports scheduled for spring competition and the time ahead, uh, be able to compete has been uh, important. So uh, looking forward to the game certainly on Friday um, against Rutgers um, and being able to finish that Big Ten season. Uh, but uh, in all in all, Greg, I can't be thankful enough that under these um, never before seen <laughs> circumstances in our lifetime that we have been able to put a successful semester behind us and be able to move forward in delivering our mission as the state land grant university. Very well put. Chancellor, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on Sports Island. Looking forward to our pregame chat on Friday. Chancellor Green joining us on our Sports Nightly Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. We've got more Sports Nightly coming up next. Buckle up, put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. My thanks to Austin, to Tim, to Mick, and to all of you for being a part of this one tonight. Have a great evening. Big day tomorrow, a signing day. Looking forward to recapping all that with you tomorrow night here on Sports Highly. Good night.